Father, we thank you again for the fact that it is uh, the breath in our lungs. You are the breath in our lungs. You are the very reason with which we exist. We know that all things exist by you and for you. And so, Father, today, as we jump into this new series, God, we pray that you would be honored and glorified, that this would not be uh, about our own personal desires, our own personal benefits, but, God, that you would reveal to us exactly what it means to be good stewards, that you would show us exactly what it means to be givers for you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We're going to be starting a new series called Money Matters. And while you think about money matters, and I know immediately what most people jump to, oh great, the church is going to be asking for money. But I want you to understand this, all right? Money drives everything, does it not? If you haven't been around long enough, you realize that money does drive everything. Money drives everything. Money, a matter of fact, has a, a, a position in your heart. It plays a role in your life. It decides what job you may or may not take. It decides what car you may or may not buy, what house you may or may not buy. It, it decides everything, does it not? I mean, the reality is this, that money matters. In all of life, money matters. But here's the funny thing that I oftentimes find. If money is what makes the world go round, why does everybody get so upset when all of a sudden the church starts to talk about it? Or pastors. And I believe it becomes this. It's because money has had a hold on our hearts. And money has become the idol with which we judge everything. As a matter of fact, if I was to say something like this, Everybody loves to talk about money when it comes to making it. As a matter of fact, if I was to put a sign out and said, come to church, receive a million dollars, we probably would have had a lot more people here. Come today, get a million dollars. People would have been like, heck yeah. As a matter of fact, do you know that some of the fastest growing, some of the largest churches actually grow because pastors tell them things like this. God desires for you to be wealthy. It's a, it's a known commodity. It's a known thing that if you tell people God wants you to be wealthy, then there's going to be something that goes on. As a matter of fact, I, I even saw it this week. This is what drives me nuts. I saw um, a, somebody posted this on Facebook, Jesse Duplantis and Kenneth Copeland, both guys if, with which if you watch them, please stop. You're wasting your time. All right? They're losers. All right, they, they, they preach what I would call a false gospel. All right, but if you happen to watch Jesse Duplantis or Kenneth Copeland, both of which are on TBN, they had a conversation going with which they tried to justify the use of their millions of dollars by buying private airplanes, basically saying that there's no way they themselves as pastors could hang around with heathen, that they would rather use their money on private jets so they could spend time in prayer with God. At which point I wanted to say, man, you guys are greater than Jesus. Because the last time I checked, Jesus hung out with the heathen people. And so when it comes to money, money matters. Money has value, money has purpose, money has meaning, money dictates what we do. But when a pastor stands up and talks about giving to support the ministry and the building of God's kingdom, a lot of people get uncomfortable. And the reason is this, because money is usually the first place, the first idol 
the very first thing in all of our lives. As a matter of fact, it may be something like this. And I, I want to be clear on this. You have to understand me in this. There are a lot of people who think that pastors shouldn't talk about money. And here's the reason why. Number one, because the misuse or abuse by others has led to a lack of trust in many. I completely understand it. But I want you to understand from my viewpoint what I view. What I view is it's better to be obedient to God... It's better that I serve and love God, that I understand my role, that I will give an account. And I hope you, none of you can say this. You will not be held accountable for what goes on here in this church as a whole. Guess who will be held accountable for that? Yes. You will be held accountable for how your actions play out in this, but a shepherd, a pastor, a shepherd is held accountable for his flock. You guys get that picture, right? That is a biblical principle. That I myself will be held accountable for what I do. So when I stand up and preach, and don't take this bad, but you're going to take it bad. When I stand up and preach, I don't care how you feel. All right? I hope you get that. I really don't care how you feel. It's not my job to make you feel good. All right? That's the Holy Spirit's job, to allow you to feel comfortable because you're being obedient. If you feel uncomfortable, it might be because of disobedience. So it's not my job to make you feel comfortable. But I want you to understand and rest assured that I take it very personal. I take it highly, it's my responsibility to be obedient to God. And as a result, I have to be obedient to God because I will stand before a holy and righteous God and I will give account for how I shepherded and how I steward not only the finances of this church, but the resources of this church as well. I will be held accountable for that. Anybody else want to volunteer? So while there might be a misuse or abuse by other people, I want you to understand that I take that very seriously because I know that many of you may look at that and go, well, that pastor may be just trying to pat his pockets, but I want you to understand this. That's not the case at all. Matter of fact, Because of misuse or abuse of others, if you think about this, many people will stop giving to the church because of misuse or abuse. How many of you stop giving to the bank? Banks get robbed all the time. You still go to the bank, right? Right? How many of you stopped investing in a 401k because there's hedge hedge fund managers all the time who are robbing the funds? You, You see the aspect of what's going on? A lot of times people will say, well, I'm not giving the church because they're just a bunch of robbers. Oh, wait, that didn't stop you from giving the bank. And it's not that the bank's taking your money, but your bank gets robbed. It's not that the hedge fund managers always do, but somehow things go on. If you look at Wall Street as a whole, you're really investing in people. So misuse or abuse cannot be an excuse necessarily to give to God. Number two. Here's the other reason why I think people stop giving. Statistically speaking, I think a majority of people in the church are not walking in a biblical picture of obedience when it comes to finances. And I'm not just talking about giving to the church. I'm talking about your whole life and how you approach finances as a whole. And so here's what we're going to do over the next couple weeks. We're going to look not only at giving and stuff like that, we're going to look at how do I approach finances in my personal life life. Can you turn off this fan up here, Pat? I keep thinking there's a bird. Anybody else hear the squealing? Okay, thank you. I thought somebody was wheezing. 
asthma problems, you know, it's like, who is this? But it's this fan that's going out, all right? But listen, here, we have to understand, a majority of us, oftentimes when money comes up, a majority of people are not walking with a biblical picture of obedience when it comes to finances. How I approach finances, and so here's, here's my, my disclaimer, all right? This series is not to be used by me to beat you up personally, but rather to help us understand the benefit, joy, and blessing of using money God's way. Now, I did not clarify that you won't feel beat up. I'm not using it personally to abuse you. If you feel beat up, everything we're looking at is going to be from a biblical perspective. All right? So if you feel like maybe I'm a little out of line here, it's not because I'm trying to put a guilt trip on you and I'm asking you for more money. It's because God's word is starting to show you how we should approach finances. Why? Because here's the big kicker. Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is going to reveal to us exactly what it means to be obedient to God in these principles. Matter of fact, here's our big picture. Here's the big idea. If you remember anything, I want you to remember this. Our attitude toward money reflects the nature of our heart. And listen, and it reveals whose we are. It reveals who owns you. So look at Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 19. And we're going to jump through. Listen to what he says. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. See, our attitude towards money reflects the very nature of our heart. And the here is the truth. You don't have to be rich to love money, do you? Matter of fact, you don't have to be rich to love money. I, I, I probably should show this video. But there's a video going around on Facebook and there's this guy who dresses up in a suit and he tapes all this money to himself. All right? And he tapes it front and back and it says, use what you need. And maybe you've seen this video, but he tapes all these single $1 bills to himself. It's all over his suit, front and back, and it says, use what you need. And people are coming up and this lady's like, well, I got a nail appointment and she's ripping off all, I'm getting a manicure and she takes like 30 bucks. And he's like, you're getting a manicure? Do you need a manicure? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she's taking this. And another guy comes up and he's taking the money because he needs something else. Matter of fact, I'll show the video next week just so you see it. And then a poor guy comes up, a guy who's homeless, and he takes two bucks. He's like, don't you want more? Nope, I just need enough for dinner. Two dollars. And all these people are like, man, this is what I need, this is what I got, this is what, and this is oftentimes how we approach money. So you don't have to be rich to love money, you just have to let money be the priority in your life, to do whatever it takes to get that money. And when money becomes the first place, you're going to push everything else aside, you're going to push others aside, and maybe even some basic moral beliefs, some basic standards which, which the Bible says in order to get more money. Why? Because money is never enough. All the money you have is never enough. As a matter of fact, what's funny is over and over and over again, all the people who have won lottery, did you, did you realize that like 84% of people who win the lottery are bankrupt? Wait, wait a second, we just said everything's about money. If I just won a million dollars, everything would be good. No. See, the love of money does not come from when you're rich. You may love money right where you're at now. Matter of fact, Ecclesiastes chapter 5, listen to what it says. Whoever loves money never has money 
enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. What did that just say? I don't have to be rich to love money. I just have to be a lover of money. Matter of fact, the Bible goes on and says, the love of money is the root of all evil. It doesn't say money is evil, because money is not evil. Money, when used in a proper biblical perspective, is not evil. But the love of money is the root of all evil. Why? Because we'll do whatever it takes to get that money, those resources, those things. And so your attitude about money will affect all of your decisions about what you do with it. Your attitude about money will affect all of your decisions about what you do with your money. That's why I said earlier, if money doesn't matter, why do we look at money before we buy a house or before we buy a car or before we borrow money for something else? Why do we look at the cost of things? Why, why save or cut out coupons if money doesn't matter? Money matters. Money in all actuality matters. So why does money matter? We're going to jump into that. Why does money matter? Number one, because we are stewards of the temporary resources that God gives us. If you remember back to First Chronicles that we read earlier, that reality plays out that everything is God's. In Psalm chapter 24, it says, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything that you and I possess still belongs to who? The Lord. The Lord still owns it all. As a matter of fact, in the beginning of Genesis, God creates everything and he puts Adam in the garden to work it and to take care of it. And it's clear that the man was created to work and it's clear that the work is a work of stewardship, a work of all creation that God has given him. So here's the reality. God plants Adam in the garden to be a steward of everything that is already God's. And so why does money matter? Money matters greatly. Here's the reason why. We are stewards of the temporary resources that God gives us. Listen to what he says again. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Why is that such a big deal? Why is that such a big priority? Why? Because here it is. There's a fundamental principle of biblical stewardship. The fundamental principle of biblical stewardship is this. Stewardship is the commitment to manage what God has given to us through his blessings in a way that reaps rewards and benefits for me and others eternally. Do you get that big picture? Stewardship is the commitment to what? Manage what God has given. It's a gift. What God has given to us through his blessings, in a way that reaps rewards and benefits, not just for me, but for what? Others eternally. Too often times we think we should reap immediately a benefit or we should reap financially the benefit right away. When the truth of the matter is this, you may not reap the benefit till later. But money is a huge factor. See, stewardship, 
when we understand the biblical role of stewardship and we understand that God owns everything, that he placed us in the midst of being good stewards for what he has already given or blessed us with, then we approach things very differently. Everything is about stewardship, not just money. My house is about a stewardship. My car is about a stewardship. My relationship with my wife and kids is about stewardship. My relationship with other people is about stewardship. My job is a stewardship issue. How I approach all of those things are about stewarding something. It's taking care of or managing what God has already given to me as a blessing so that I can reap rewards for myself and others eternally. Everything that you steward in your life matters. And so what we begin to understand is why does money matter? Because we're stewards of temporary resources that God has given us. Remember we said that God is the source. If you remember going back to the the names sermon, that God should be the source, not the resource. All right? The resource is what he gives us so that we can Talk about who he is so that we can show others what he's done. But God is the source of everything. God is above everything. And here is another big picture of what's taking place. If God is above all, the earth is the Lord and everything in it. If he is the one that controls it, he is the one that owns it. We are the managers or stewards of it. Then God is the source and he gives us everything else as a resource to lead people to truth in Christ. So while we look at money, my hope, my heart for you is this, is that we begin to learn what it means to steward everything that God has given us faithfully and obediently. You see, for a long time, I used to always say this. Matter of fact, I was even joking around not too long ago. Um, One of my buddies who doesn't go to church I said something about running into Pujols and how Albert Pujols goes. For those of you who don't know, when Albert Pujols lives, he lives in Independence. You guys know that, right? Right? Went to Fort Osage, lives in Independence. We ran into him out at at gymnastics one time. I ran into him out at gymnastics one time. He got saved at Graceway. It was actually Baptist Bible Temple or whatever, Baptist Temple, whatever it was back then, um, and still goes there to this day. And I said something to one of my buddies one time. I said, yeah, I wish Pujols went to my church. $26 million a year, could you imagine 10% of that? I'm like, holy smokes. You know, we could do a lot with $2 million. I'm thinking, wow, what our church could accomplish. But I want you to understand this. So oftentimes we look at that mentality. Well, I don't make $26 million like Albert Pujols. No, but if everybody was faithful, if everybody in the church was obedient, if everybody in the church was strong, biblically obedient, biblical stewards of what God gave. The church is unstoppable. But sadly, most people approach it and say, well, I'm not going to give. They're doing things I don't like. But when we use our resources in a biblically obedient way, we begin to understand what takes place. We begin to see the blessings that God offers. See, our focus or desire should be for things that are eternal. Not for things that are temporary, but since my money is God's money, since my money is God's money, every spending decision I make is a spiritual decision. Do you get that picture? Every spending decision 
next slide, Ethan, I make is a spiritual decision. That means, and I'll, I'll even, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm not trying to brag on myself. I'm not trying to beat you up. That means when I go shopping for a car, I'm not looking for an 80, 90, well, heck, even a 40, 50, $60,000 car. I'm looking for a car that can get my job done. A car that's going to help me accomplish my purpose. Now, some will probably say, well, you don't need a pickup. No, that, you may say that, but I make a living off of hunting because I don't have to buy food. And a car doesn't work very good with the deer stuffed in the back of it. All right, just going to say. Matter of fact, it doesn't go off-road very well. <laughs> okay, so I set offset the cost. We don't have to buy meat. Well, I do to a certain extent. I buy a license, and then I process the meat myself. I don't even go to a processor to process it. We do it all ourselves. Talk about old school, talk about whatever you want to, but I look at it as a stewardship thing. I have been raised that way. I've been blessed with that ability. God put us over that. He asked us to be wise stewards and managers. Matter of fact, I'll even say this. I don't go out and go crazy shooting. I've been with hunters who just shoot at anything that moves. My decision, the way I always do it, is if that sucker can't drop right away or pretty darn close, I'm not shooting at it. Why? Because I'm a manager. I'm a steward of what God has put over me. Same with fishing. I don't catch a bunch of fish and then let them go to waste. If I fish, I eat them. It's for my family. We live off of it. It's a biblical stewardship principle. So number one, why does money matter? Because we're stewards of the temporary resources God has given us. Number two, why does money matter? Because treasures in heaven are built through a proper use of my resources. Do you get that? The treasures I store up for in heaven are built through a proper, look at that, proper use of my what? Resources. The things that God has given you or given to you. So how I build up treasures in heaven is by obediently and properly using the resources that God has blessed me with. I store up treasures in heaven in that way. See, you guys remember that song, Camp by Me Love? I think we should sing that on Sunday morning. Because a lot of times people think, well, I can buy love. I'll just go in and give a bunch of money to God. I can purchase the love that I desire. I can purchase my way into heaven. There's a lot of people who honestly think that. If I just do good things, if I go through that, see, money and possessions cannot get you into heaven. They're not going to get you into right standing with God, but they're great resources to help people see Christ. One of the most secure places to protect and invest your resources is where? In the church. Eternally. One of the most secure places you can protect your resources is by investing in them eternally. Investing them eternally. And so oftentimes we think, well, I'm not getting a high rate of return. Matter of fact, if you're into retirement, you know what I'm talking about. If you're getting a retirement, you're like, well, my retirement, I was only getting a 3.4% rate of return. That's not very good, by the way. Matter of fact, if you're investing in a savings account, you're most likely making nothing, like 0.01%, okay? Not trying to tell you not to have a savings account, but that, that should be a very small amount. Matter of fact, these are things I'm going to kind of point you toward as we're going to talk about this. 
We're going to talk about being wise financially because we want to be good stewards of the resources God gave us. So we're going to look at those things over the next couple weeks. But God sees your money and your possessions and my money and my possessions as a tool. You ever get that? God sees all of those things as a tool for eternity, a tool that when used correctly benefits so many more people than just ourselves. But if you hoard money, if you hold on to it, if you let money be the primary thing, then that tool is not used in a proper way. If we make it all about the money or all about the possessions I own and we don't use it properly, then it becomes something else. We don't see the big eternal picture we do. But treasures in heaven are built through a proper use of my resources. Last I checked, when you die, everything stays where? (laughs) Yeah, right, here. So do you want your resources and your finances and things to be a benefit for people eternally or do you want them to be something that you hold on to that when you die, the bank decides where it goes or the state decides where it goes? And while you say those things, and I'm not even talking about this, listen, I understand giving an inheritance to kids and I look forward to being able to do that to my kids, to be able to pass down what I worked hard for and there's nothing wrong with that. In today's world, for some reason, we've got this mentality that parents should not take care of their kids. And let me explain something to you. From a biblical standpoint, the Bible says it is good that you pass down an inheritance to your kids. But in some way, shape, or form, especially in today's liberal ideologies that we've got running rampant, that everybody deserves everything without working, that we have said it's bad that people are giving money to their kids. No, it's not. A proper use of your money, invested wisely eternally, and passed down to the kids. There is nothing wrong with that. And I hope you see that big picture. Here's the big kicker, though. A lot of times we hoard it, we hold on to, we collect things, and we're not generous. So we hold those resources. We hide everything. We're like, God, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm just going to give you enough to get by, but we're not Investing eternally is something you can't do later. It starts now. You don't wait till you're dead to go, okay, I'm going to invest eternally. Wait a second. It starts now. And so the treasures we have, the treasures that we want to build, the treasures in heaven are built through a proper use of my resources. See, when we understand it and see it as a tool to be used, we begin to experience a greater blessing. And here's, here's what I, I, I see over and over and over again. It talks about how you reap what you sow. The more you sow, the more you what? Reap. The more you plant seed, the more you gain a harvest. The more you give, the more you what? Get. And I, here's, here's the big thing, and this, this is a financial principle that's actually played out in the Bible. When you're stingy with your money, when you're stingy with your resources, you're not going to reap a lot more money and you're not going to reap a lot more resources. You get what you sow. You reap what you sow. And so we have to begin to understand how to use everything as a tool. 
So you may be generous with your money, but maybe you need to be figuring out how to be generous with everything else. Matter of fact, we've always tried to look at it this way with our house. Our house is a tool, it's a resource. And we try and resource it or use it to the best of our ability. That's why we allow people to stay with us. That's why we want to open up doors and opportunities to allow people. Why? Because it's a resource. It's a resource that we invest right now. Why? It's not my seclusion area. It's not my place to hide and get away from society. My house is a resource that we use to invite people into so that we can serve them, love them, be hospitable to them, and point them to Christ. Every time somebody comes over, whether they're a believer or not a believer, guess what we do? We pray for our meal. Guess what we do? We talk about what's going on. Guess what we do? We let the gospel speak for itself. We live it out. We speak it. We love others. But our house is a resource. My truck is a resource. My car is a resource. Your kitchen, your living room, your basement, your whatever else it is, is a resource that God wants to use as a tool to build up eternal treasures in heaven. Do you get that picture? That is the beauty of what the gospel lays out before us. Jesus' death on the cross was the most generous act one could ever give. Why? Because he says, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In other words, while we were in debt, Christ paid the debt for us. Even though he knew that our debt was going to keep going down and down and down and down and down. We were never going to be able to pay it off. Jesus dies on the cross so that we could have treasures eternally in heaven. So listen, chapter 6, verse 20, and listen to what he says. Verse 19, do not store for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break and steal, but, that's a big but, right? But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So you may be generous with everything, but everything you have should be a tool for God, a tool that God wants to use to learn. Everything is a tool God wants you to learn how to use in order to impact people for eternity. That's the thing we have to begin to understand. And here's the big thing. This is how what is temporary, money and resources, becomes an eternal issue. Why? Because we use the money and the resources to invest in eternity. That's how we allow what's temporary to become eternal. Because the temporary things that will pass away are used to build up eternal treasures. So here's the question I want to ask you for number two. What do you have And how can you use it? And number three, what does money matter? Why does money matter? Number three, because our heart will follow what we treasure. See, our heart follows what we treasure. How we steward what we assume is ours reflects our devotion to the one whom it belongs. What we steward or how we steward what we assume is ours. Do you get that big picture? What do, we, what do we say? What we assume is ours. How we steward what we assume is ours reflects our devotion to the one whom it belongs to. You get it? 
How we steward what we assume is ours. This is mine. Don't tell me how to operate it. Don't tell me how to use it. Don't tell me how to use my tools in the right way or my resources or my money. You keep your, your nose to the grindstone. You keep your nose where it's supposed to be. You don't tell me how to do it. But what we assume is ours or how we steward what we assume is ours reflects whose we are and who sits on our throne. Everything you have, if you look at it as the aspect that, or in in the reality that is God's, should be a tool to be used to invest in eternity. So our heart will follow our treasure. Verse 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know what I find ironic? Did you know that Jesus talks more about money than he did heaven and hell combined? Jesus talked more about money than prayer. Jesus talked more about money than anything else in the New Testament. Why? Because money is the easy thing to become the first thing in our life. Money, the love of money, is the root of all evil. And when we chase after or love our money and our possessions and our resources so much so that we neglect the eternal things. Matter of fact, let me me throw this in there for those who have been to church for years. I remember growing up, there were things like, you don't do this. You mess up this church, you're going to die. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, like, I mean, the the old people were going to kill you. I'm not joking. I, we, had, we had a confrontation out in the hallway one day. We had a, a pass-through, kind of like the door that goes out to the foyer. There was just this pass-through. There was no door, but it had, you know, a door frame and stuff. And we'd go run, and we'd, you know, when we were kids, we could start to jump and touch those things. And we'd go run, and bang, and we just didn't hit it. You're just, your hand's going there. And I'll never forget, there's old gentleman walks out of our fellowship hall and lays into us how we're destroying the church because we just hit that thing. We're like, it just went off, going crazy. You're going to learn to respect this place and you treat it like trash. We're going to have problems. And we're just standing there like, what the heck just happened? This church building, for far too long, not just this church building, many church buildings, were something that were the primary thing that we worshiped. Because we didn't look at the church building as a resource. We didn't look at it as a benefit to reach people with the gospel. We looked at it and we said, this is our protection. This is our area to get away from all the chaos. This is the area where we can go and listen to somebody tell us something that's going to make us feel good. When the truth of the matter is this, this church building, this property, everything that we own is a resource God wants to use for eternal purposes. See, here's the thing that I want you to understand. It's entirely possible to have the outward appearance of a follower of Christ, yet your heart not belong to him and your heart belong to money and resources. Jesus said more about money than heaven and hell, more about prayer, more about, you know, 
about that than reading the Bible or even attendance in church. And if you want to know what sits as king of your heart, all you got to do is look at your money. See, you might go to church and you might serve, but money still may be the thing that is on the throne of your life. And if money is the thing that's on the throne of your life, then God is not the one that's on the throne of your life. And God's chief competitor for your heart then is your money and your resources. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Matter of fact, I was, I, was, I was gonna do this, but I decided not to. But if you could picture a treasure map. I mean, if you found a treasure map and you knew without a doubt there was a treasure there and somebody's like, there is $20 million buried in this position. Somebody would be like, dude, I'm going. Heck, man, you might go if it just said, hey, there's $10,000 buried there. But what oftentimes happens is this. That treasure is there, but where that treasure is, that's where your heart is. And we'll walk all over the place looking for that treasure when our heart is already there. And you're looking for a heart, looking for finding direction. And the problem is your heart is where your treasure is. It's where the treasure is buried. And as a result of that, you walk through life aimlessly looking for everything else when your heart is where your treasure is. And your treasure is not God. Your treasure may be the money. The treasure may be the possessions and the resources that you have, and you're walking around looking for purpose and meaning and direction, and the reason you can't find purpose and meaning and direction is because your heart's where it's not supposed to be. Our treasure is built in heaven. Our heart will follow what we treasure. See, money matters because it reflects the condition, and listen to this, the location of my heart. Money matters because it reflects the condition and the location of my heart. Rick Warren said it this way, most people fail to see that money is both a test and trust from God. Remember, money is a tool, but money is also a test and trust from God. Everything he's given us is the ability to be tested to see what is obedience. Are you going to be obedient to me no matter what the cost? Will you lay it down? Will you give? Will you financially support? Will you do these things? Will you take your resources and steward them wisely? So listen, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. You know, growing up, we used to always say this, ask Jesus into your Heart, right? If you want to follow Jesus, ask Jesus into your heart. You want to make him your Lord. He's your ruler. Matter of fact, if you remember going back to the names thing, it means he's our, what, master. There is nothing else that we are mastered by, but he is our ruler and he is our Lord. And so here's the big thing. Here's what we have to begin to understand is that we have to give ourselves. You have to give yourself to God first and then giving of your possessions will be easy and joyful the problem is most people say well i'll give him my my possessions i'll give him my money and i'll do it with a begrudging heart and the problem is the reason your heart is begrudging is because your heart is still where on your money my heart is focused on my money It's focused on my possessions. And so as we begin to see this, most people fail to see that money is both a test and a trust from God. 
that as God gives me more, as I reap the benefits of being obedient to what he's called, he's testing me and letting me see what can I do in order to invest in eternal things, things that aren't going to pass away, things that can't be stolen from me, but things that will be invested for eternally. See, when your heart is in something, you will do whatever it takes to accomplish that something. If your heart is in becoming a millionaire, you'll do whatever it takes to become a millionaire. When your heart is set on getting to a certain position, you're going to do whatever it gets, whatever it takes to get to that position. And we have to begin to understand this, that our heart leads us in the direction we're supposed to go. And if God has my heart, if he has been given my heart, then he will lead me in obedience to him to give generously. Why? Because that's the way he gave first. But when my heart is set on money, then it becomes a problem. Matter of fact, a lot of times we say things like this. You know, if I was rich, I'd be a lot more generous. If I just had more money, I'd be a lot more generous. But I want you to get this. Rich people are not generous. Poor people are not generous. Generous people are generous. It doesn't matter what you have. It matters what you do with what you have. That's the big picture. It does not matter what you have. It matters what you do with what you have. So money matters. Money's a big kicker. And God is generous in that he sent his son. He won the battle. He God secured the victory. He won the victory for your salvation on the cross and for life in his resurrection. But the battle for our heart continues in our resources. And I want to challenge you with this, that you use your money and possessions well and you look for ways, listen, you look for ways to use it all for eternal things. Everything that you have, use it all for eternal things. Listen to me, I'm not telling you to give everything away. Did you just hear that? The Bible says it's good to pass down an inheritance to your kids. But how do I use everything I have, all my money and all my resources, to invest in eternal things, things that will last forever? Money matters. And if money doesn't matter, if you say money doesn't matter, I just want to ask you this question. Where is your heart right now? Because the truth of the matter is, and I know this, when money comes up in church, a lot of people roll their eyes, grab their backsides, and they walk out the door making sure they got their wallet with them. Why? Because money matters. Money and my resources show where my heart is. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that you have made us stewards, stewards of what is rightfully yours from the beginning, that you set the, the tone, you set the standard with Adam, and that work is a benefit Work is a resource that we can use for eternal purposes and that our work is something that we can reap the benefits of financially here on earth, but we can also reap the benefits of investing in eternal things because you have given us that call. 
And so, God, I pray that over the next few weeks, over the next month or so, God, as we look at money, that we would be wise stewards, that we would understand that everything that you have given us is yours already, that we should steward our resources, our time, our finances in every aspect of our life because money matters. It shows the relationship of our heart, it shows where our heart is, and it shows what is sitting on our throne. So God, today I pray that we would be people that would begin to evaluate, we would dig deep and understand and look at where it is our treasure is and where our heart is. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.